I would say 99% of my marketing is not what I did to get to where, to get to that first level of success, like what you said with the meme pages. We almost, we almost never post with meme pages anymore. Instagram's pretty saturated. People understand ads. Um, you know, the knowledge of the user is, is pretty high. So cost benefit is, is really different now. This one's sponsor is Triple Whale. Supercharge your ad campaigns with their revolutionary analytics platform because better data means better campaigns. If you're running any type of paid media, then you need to be using Triple Whale. Find out more at trytriplewhale.com. Hello and welcome back to the DTC Deep Dive. Let's talk about dicks. Yes, you heard that correctly. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about male genitalia. Actually, we're going to be talking to Adam from Dick to Your Door, which is a DTC company in which you can send a chocolate penis to your friends or your family members' home, whatever you're into. Adam has such an incredible story from making chocolate penises in his garage for the first few years of his e-commerce journey to acquiring his main competitor to trademarking the phrase, eat a dick and eat my ass. Yep, you heard that correctly. It's an interesting episode, so get ready. Welcome to the D2C Deep Dive. Adam, how are you doing? Good, doing well. Doing well for a Wednesday. <laughs> Good, I'm glad. Um, so you have, I mean, when you first messaged me and you told me what your product was, uh, a few things went through my mind. One of them is I didn't realize that this thing existed. And the other one was how the heck are you marketing that? Uh, so if people have no idea who you are and your journey, introduce yourself first uh, and the the world of dicks, as as I'll now call it. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. There you go. Um, yeah, my name is Adam Haskell. I own a couple different uh, websites in the DDC space for pranks, gag gifts, um, kind of novelty items from stationary all the way down to chocolate dicks. Um, and chocolate dicks are where I where I kind of cut my teeth in the DDC world. So um, I'm sure we'll get into it, but anonymously sending chocolate dicks to people in the mail as a prank. And yeah. I mean, Here we what, are. <laughs> what else? What else would would you want to send in the mail? Is the question, right? So, right. let's. I mean, <laughs> when you when you first came up with the idea, I've done a little, little bit of research. I've kind of read where the idea came from and stuff like that. But but let's let's start with that. Where did the idea come from for sending dicks in the mail? Because it's 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 the strangest idea for a DTC store. <laughs> Honestly, so uh, it was a joke. It wasn't, this was, this, where I am now was never part of any plan that, that I thought I was going to get into. Um, I was driving cross country, well, middle of the country back to California where I live um, and stopped in Lincoln, Nebraska. And uh, I was in my mid twenties. So, you know, as you do with, with your buddies on a cross country trip, you take a quick stop and go to a sex store randomly. And I found yeah. uh, a chocolate a chocolate dick mold and I thought it would be a funny thing to put something in the mold that ended up be it ended up being chocolate and send it to my buddies here in California. So it it really wasn't it it wasn't ever supposed to be something that was past that, but it it was infuriating my friends. So I had a buddy throw up throw up a website and I was really interested in e-commerce. <clears throat> you know, listening to Tim Ferriss podcast and like business mm -hmm. and entrepreneurship and I was in sales. And um, so I threw a heat map up and saw we were getting traffic 
threw a, threw a shopping cart up and in the first or second day, it's been, you know, it's been six or seven years now, but, um, we got an order and I had no idea what to do. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, the short, long story short, the rest is history, I suppose. But, um, the, the long and short of it is this was never supposed to be, I'm not even a big chocolate fan, to be honest. Like (laughs) it it was just, it was the vessel, the perfect, the the perfect company to be running then. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know way more about chocolate now than I probably ever would have. I bet. Guarantee if I had that I ever would have. So you mentioned a little bit there that you had no idea that it would become what it has become. So for those who have no idea where you are, what has it become? So it's gone from, you know, you send in, you know, chocolate dicks to your mates to, to now run a store. Whereabouts are you in that, in that journey? Yeah, so we what was just one product has become, I think probably sixty across two different stores, um, sixty to seventy SKUs. How can you have so many SKUs on a on on a different penis? Like, is it is it? Are we talking different <laughs> so, girth, different color, different? You know, right, right. So we have dark chocolate, white chocolate, milk chocolate. We have giant gummy dicks. We have chocolate <laughs> buttholes. We have chocolate shits. We have different occasions we do our limited editions for like trending topics like the super bowl or the masters tournament or like um you know obviously the holidays and valentine so we release different boxes a a lot of it comes with the packaging yeah um revamping the packaging the same product in different types of packages um birthdays graduation surprise bachelorette um you know, and as I said, we moved into stationery, so we have a lot of different cards. And there are a lot of sayings that can be turned into literal products. Mm-hmm. Eat a dick, eat my ass, eat shit, suck a dick, eat my nuts, <laughs> um, calm your tits. You know, it's yeah. it's honestly endless. Um, and we've really, I've literally really leaned into, it, you know, testing it because over the years like i have i'm a chocolatier and i know how to make molds and i know how to 3d print and i know how to test and i know how to make packaging you know all that has has really set up a a way to you know test and validate products pretty easily um Mm -hmm. when you're making chocolate because you're not waiting for a manufacturer to make a product like i can make it in-house and test it so you know it's 60 70 skews it sounds like a lot but some of them you know get one to two orders a month versus you know five to six thousand of our you know our flagship product which is the flagship <laughs> the, the dick so so, so um, how, you do so you're sending six thousand dicks a week a month how many dicks are you making <laughs> averagely about a month about a month about a month so we do we do probably you know the summer is obviously a harder chocolate is hard to ship you know it melts things happen um and it's more of our slower time we do about three thousand dicks on you know from on a month month to month basis from like may june july august and then it starts ramping up like our our big our busy busy season you know we're doing 20 to thirty thousand a month dick season (laughs) dick season yeah dick season gaggles of dicks gaggles and gaggles of dicks (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness. That is, that is cool. What was it like? So, I mean, you can't, I imagine you can't just turn up at a, I don't know, a chocolate making facility and go, please make me a load of dicks. Like how, how did, 
how were you making those first few to send out to people? Like, was it just you melting chocolate on a hob and then just pouring it into a mold that you got at a sex shop? Exactly. Exactly. It was, I remember it, this was before we got our first chocolate, before I bought my first, I say we, it's the relative, it's the. Yeah. The collective, the, the collective term, the, the collective, the collective, yeah. the collective term. Um, before I bought the first chocolate machine, I was just melting, you know, Hershey's semi-dark chocolate chips and trying to pour it with a funnel i remember the first time i got 10 orders in a week um i didn't have any packaging so i bought packages off of uline which in the states it's like your main source to get any kind of box Mm -hmm. um melted them it took me like six hours to make 10 of them and i thought well this is that's i'm never gonna do that again um like i don't want to do this um and now we'll do you know we can we'll put out 800, a thousand orders in a day sometimes. And, um, but yeah, I was just pouring from a, from a pan into a mold. And I had one mold and it's a girthy, it's girthy. So you yeah, have to it's, wait. It's, it's a girthy boy. Set. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a whole, it's a whole process. Um, wow. and yeah. And then, you know, realizing, okay, do I want to continue doing this and figure out a more efficient process or, is this a stupid idea that's never going to go anywhere? And I don't know why, what, what made me choose to continue to figure it out because it is silly. It's really silly. Um, and now we have a full, full facility, chocolate making facility with chocolatiers. Yeah. What, what does that, what does that look like now? What does that process process look like? So we, we have partnered with, uh, basically did, there's two ways I could have gone. I could have, I could have produced a commercial kitchen facility on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, which takes one, a lot of time to a lot of red tape. Uh, the, the red tape is in the States, it's like, and in California, you have to be FDA approved. You have to have all your licenses. You have to have like, and it's a really, really long process because the, the bureaucracy of, of, of government is understaffed and, and just, it's really hard to get those mm-hmm. steps taken. Um, so we moved into a warehouse that was right next door to who's now our partner, <clears throat> a family, uh, David Mejia. And we partner with them to help us make, so basically it's a co-manufacturing situation. So wow. we get all of our, we get all of our cacao beans from Madagascar, Colombia. He grew up on a farm in a cacao farm in Colombia. So we get a lot of our, our actual beans from Colombia shipped up they're roasted and that's the whole process roasting grinding um so it's a bean to bar situation where we are really making a a unique formula yeah so um and then it comes over to us we package it it's a repackaging situation and again that's so he has the fda everything's all the licenses it's a vegan Mm -hmm. facility so if we want to make vegan chocolate um and then we just we're we're what's called license wise a repackager um so we package it in our product bob's your wow. uncle that's amazing yeah. I, I i never would have thought that that was that that was the method you went down in order to do this like it, it was that was that the most i imagine was the most cost efficient way to do it right instead of going down the whole other route yeah it ended up being that and it was also um the result of necessity like it not a lot of people look at like i remember the first time i met with david and I just basically sat down with them and it's like, so you want to, um, you want to make chocolate? And I was like, yeah, but I want to make a chocolate dick. 
and I showed him my mold and he just laughed and said, it was him and his wife. They were a really small outfit at the time. Um, and now they've grown They're It's really cool. Their story is really cool too. But um, they were just like, yep, we're on board. We'll do it. And they were one of like 10 that we reached out to and all of them said no. So it was like, I'm very did, thankful for them to be able did to. They, <laughs> did the other people say no because of what the product was or just because it just wasn't something they did? A hundred percent the product. Um, whether it was them, whether it was them that felt uncomfortable, um, whether they, they were worried about their employees, um, you know, feeling uncomfortable and feeling harassed or, you know, because there's, you know, there are yeah. genuine issues you would, you would potentially run into with, you know, everybody's their own human and has their threshold. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, super, super thankful for them. Um, because I, we were, I was at my wet's end. So this was this was after I had been making my own chocolate for like two years. Um, wow! So so it, so how many people were on your team at that point doing this? Like before me, me. you took it to someone else, it was just you making hundreds of penises yeah. a day. Yeah, it was really that's brutal. wild. Um, I remember our, my first like busy holiday season. I was making chocolate probably twenty one hours a day, and then Whoa. and then packaging orders. Yeah, it was it was really bad it was really bad because you have to uh, without going into so much detail but basically you have to pour the chocolate then in chocolate making there is uh it's called tempering so you get the chocolate and the crystals and the and the sugar crystals to hit a right temperature mold and that's how you get that nice shiny chocolate that snaps Mm -hmm. like your hershey not even hershey bar but like a good chocolate um if you don't cool it down at the right speed um creates what's bloom the the sugar breaks down and turns to chocolate white um on the outside so it's still fine to eat Ah, but it just looks really bad yeah i've seen that before yeah 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 so like that was that was my biggest problem because i just had no idea what i was doing i was learning on the fly i i had reproduced the mold to be like 200 molds and i was pouring it and then getting 200 white white bloomed dicks that looked diseased really and i was like well i can't i can't i can't sell these um so i'd have to go back remelt it and try it again and uh, that was what was taking you know so many so many hours but by that point i was kind of pot committed where i was like well i'm doing this full time so whatever it's yeah. sweat equity um i'm enjoying it i'm learning well i wasn't enjoying it at that point when i was doing it 20 hours a day but yeah yeah it was it was a process wow. so and that and then uh at what point did you did you start to branch out to different to different products was that after it was not you making making chocolate anymore it was yeah exactly like i was by the time there was there was no room to even think about a different product mm-hmm. um and it was i was really fortunate in that uh, the reason that we were there was no time is because we were selling a lot yeah. i was selling a lot and and there was you know, that was the beginning of influencer marketing. Uh, Instagram was what I believe TikTok is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really wide open. Um, meme accounts, you you used to be able to pay them 50, 100, 150 bucks and get $1,000 in revenue. It's just like, it's really, mm-hmm. really easy. It was a very straightforward process. And, and myself being somebody who couldn't, you know, having a URL with the word dick in it, really isn't easy to make to do traditional marketing so i i built almost all of this on influencer marketing influencer quote unquote made yeah like meme accounts 
that are a lot of shit posting and and just like you know funny things and that became my demographic that's it's changed now but um yeah before i had before i was able to try a different product like i had to get somebody else because you know just slaying and dicks mm. was a full-time gig yeah i, I imagine about the other thing <laughs> I imagine it being difficult. So, I mean, talking about marketing, you touched on it a little bit there. I mean, it's, I imagine it still and was incredible. I mean, it's probably got even harder now to market like your product entirely, like the majority of your product range. You know, like I come from a history where I used to run meme pages and stuff like that. So I know that, that area pretty well where, you know, yeah, you did have, mm-hmm. You did have e-commerce companies come to you. They'd pay you $20 and you could see the clicks come in and they were making absolute wedge from, you know, from your one post on your meme page, which you post on four times a day automatically for some crap that you found on Reddit. Like, I know that hustle, you know, but so, so now, now that, now that Instagram, I guess it kind of is still that, but it's definitely not where it used to be. Right. where are you right. where are you getting your sales how, how how are you marketing so i we we don't i almost i would say 99 percent of my marketing is not what i did to get to where to get to that first level of success like what you said with the meme mm. pages we almost we almost never post with meme pages anymore instagram's pretty saturated people understand ads um yeah you know, the knowledge of the user is, is pretty high. So cost benefit is, is really different now. Um, so a couple of years ago, I started investing pretty heavily in SEO. Um, and that's been, that's been a lot of just the building organic because I burned through, mm-hmm. I don't know, my four business manager accounts on Facebook, trying to get it through. I, I used my fiance. I used my fiance's. Got those taken. I rebuilt whole websites with the note without the word "dick" in it, and, and like masked all products in Adobe, so it would try to fool the, you know, the the al- not the algorithm, but basically the crawler, Facebook's yeah. crawler. Um, none of it worked. None of it worked. So, um, yeah, a lot of it is you know, working on SEO, high quality traffic. Um, it's very niche, as you can imagine. Uh, mm-hmm. So a lot of it is, you know, really trying to convert that the person who's most apt to convert. Um, while also, you know, relying on social proof um, and UGC, people that receive them post a lot. Um, so mm-hmm. that's it's a really, I'm lucky in that my products are, have that viral aspect to it viral you know in small spaces you know you get a dick you're going to show your friend you're going to show at least like three people you know hopefully one person shows up to the website then i can i can find them we do we do ppc on google um so we can that's a revolving door of getting ads disapproved and resubmitting and i mean it's a very tough uh advertising for for my products is really really tough and it's a double-edged sword you know it's really hard which also means not a lot of people want to do it and try to like come into the world that i live in um mm-hmm. so i'm lucky in that because it is very very nuanced at this point seven years down the road six years down yeah. the road what is it now is it just 
is it just Google that you, the the majority of your of your stuff comes in from? Are you are you touching TikTok now? Are you like where whereabouts are you? Yeah, so uh, I think you know one of the things that's that's helped. Um, so I bought a competitor who's pranksanonymous.com um, a couple years ago. I've been revamping the whole website and the product lineup for the last two years. Thought it was going to take six months, whatever. Um, so I have that, which is helpful in like top of funnel stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Because our products are right next to each other, they're two different URLs. Um, so I'm able to advertise that on Facebook. Um, and okay. that's just a process that's been a little bit more, again, because it still gets flagged. Like it's still yeah. stuff that Facebook doesn't love. Um, but yeah, Google is is pretty straightforward with dick at your door. Um, we are trying TikTok. I'm really excited about TikTok. Their, their filters are really, really tough to get through. So, you know, I've, I've invested quite a bit of money trying, you know, I'm still not to a final answer of, you know, whether or not that's going to work. Um, there's also the, the kind of the nuance of not showing the product, but showing the product and, mm-hmm. and like, it's a really, it's, it's a learning process for any UGC creator we work with that it's like, talk about it, but don't talk about it. You know, <laughs> yeah. Create that, you know, create that, uh, that kind of curiosity to at least get that click. So mm-hmm. we don't get a lot of from, from social media or, or any social platform. We don't get a lot of immediate purchases. It's a lot of top of funnel stuff. You know, you introduce them to the brand because somebody, most people click out of curiosity, think it's funny, bounce. Yeah. So our, our conversions come further down the line. Like we get a very small amount on that top of the funnel, but you drop them into that and we're, we try to build all that traffic, like heavy, heavy traffic of, um, you know, I mentioned we have really high quality traffic and then our new traffic on social is, you know, just shotgun blasts, like try to get a bunch of people to check out the website as more of like a brand awareness almost. TikTok is, we'll see. Uh, I'm really excited about it. I think that there's, I've started to see some, some success um, and just learning because it's, it's very new to me and I'm 34 years old now and it's like, mm. oh shit, I got to learn a whole new, another social media platform. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, is, it, it, yeah. It is difficult. Yeah. I mean, thankfully quite, quite a lot of the, the stuff that we learned on Instagram and stuff like that does translate over, but it is, it is certainly one of those platforms where you're a little bit like, Am I just really old at this point? Like, is that it? Have I just reached that age where it's just really difficult for me to understand new things? You know, we work with a lot of clients on TikTok and we rely heavily on other creators and people younger than ourselves to help us, you know, kind of grasp that platform a little bit sometimes because they're chopping and changing things all the time. So you went from you, you know, kind of making making chocolate, making dicks in your garage to now, you know, a entrepreneur, which owns two businesses in a similar niche. How have you, how have you dealt with that, with that growth? Was it something that you really had to, was it something that you really struggled with, you know, dealing with that and, you know, suddenly going from, I, you know, was, did you always plan on being an entrepreneur? Was it something that you plan on doing or is it just fallen on your doorstep and now you're just here and you enjoy it? I would say I always, um, it was never a plan to become an entrepreneur, but I always uh, aspired to be an entrepreneur. I was, I was not good at being a cog in the wheel. I think the last like yeah. 
three, the last three jobs I had before I went full time in this, I got fired from two of them because I was not for underperforming. I was just kind of a dick. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like looking back, like I was, I wasn't a good employee because I bucked the system a lot. And, and then the third one, like they just ran out of money. It was a, it was a startup, but I think I, my journey was always going to end up in entrepreneurship. I, I think my personality and I work on it, you know, it, mm-hmm. I, I got to have control and uh, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse because, you know, I, at the beginning, I micromanaged everything and made sure things were set and getting done. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also been my biggest thing to overcome is that delegation and, and yeah, truly trying definitely. to become an, a, an, an entrepreneur rather than a, a, somebody that works on business. I think they're deaf to dis- two very distinguishable, different things. Um, mm. being an entrepreneur is, has been over the last year, I'd say like with my, with our employees, um, and being able to trust people and ask for results is is really tough you know because i hold nobody's ever going to work harder than you on your own business um so understanding that learning that mm-hmm. um being able to rely on people has been really difficult but it's also been some of the most gratifying pieces of it you know i sell dicks <laughs> but yeah. like i really want to run a good i really want to yeah, run a good a successful business business yeah that, that people enjoy working coming to work and working with me and i, I want to be somebody that can be approachable i want to be somebody that can help any employee you know i know that none of my employees are going to be i mean most of them won't be somebody that's like oh, i retired from dick at your door like that's not a thing mm-hmm. so i want to like some of the most gratifying work i get now is being able to teach you know my fulfillment guy who's in the warehouse helping with that like how that process is and what you know, logistics and helping them understand ordering. And my, my life has changed drastically from, I was just like trying to make a buck to now really wanting to create structures so that I can duplicate it. I mean, the, I, the goal is to be able to duplicate mm-hmm. and do something else um, and do yeah. it better the next time around. So that's a long answer to what could have been a short question or a short answer, but. So now you own two like gag gift companies. I imagine one of which you basically can't advertise on social media. One of which I imagine it's mu- it, it's much easier to advertise on social. What's been your approach for the other brand? So the other brand is, yeah, I mean, we do. I love the idea of kind of elevating greeting cards. Yeah, that's what I'm really excited about. It's a saturated market that I am that gives me confidence oddly mm. way into dumb detail that nobody cares about it's like it's a there's it's a big enough pie to get a piece yeah of it, right yeah um that's kind of how i look at at any business um but greeting cards there's so many opportunities and it's such a mm. big industry that yeah. like i'm i'm really really excited about it we we do you know we i'm working on a couple patents right now for greeting cards and we have trade we have our trademarks and like getting into the legalities of it so that the validation that i'm seeing how do i dovetail that into distribution how do i get into retail stores because it's more a retail product Mm -hmm. um and and also you know being able to lean on my my knowledge of shipping and you know greeting stuff that's sent in the mail from one person to another as a gift Mm -hmm. how do i how do i take that The, the the big question that i am working on this year is how do I take that knowledge and sell more greeting cards? You know, whether it's a 
that we're, we're implementing video messaging with the QR code and some of our stuff. So you open a funny greeting card comes from somebody that's like, congratulations. It plays a funny noise that loop like our cards are, they're prank cards still. Like we have one that's like, like jingle balls for Christmas. It was just a ball sack. And then you open it and it plays porn sounds nonstop for four hours and you can't turn it off. <laughs> and, and then you have to, and, and the only way you can stop it is by destroying the card and the card is full of glitter. So it's like, oh, we, okay. we do a lot of that stuff. Um, we do pop-up cards. So it's like you open it and it pops up. There's a dick in it. Um, There's a, like lot of, a, a lot of dick-related products. I, I, I feel like you'll never be yeah. able to move away from, from the phallic-shaped um phallic shaped market i feel at this point you have a real speciality a real niche yeah very a very niche specific knowledge about the male anatomy at this point um (laughs) but it you know sex sells man it does (laughs) it's very true sex does sell (laughs) yeah i mean talking about that you am i right in thinking this you own the trademark to eat a dick I do, yeah. Eat a dick and eat my and eat my ass. We we have to talk about that. How how did that happen? And with that, has that opened up other kind of financial opportunities for you for owning like such a common a common phrase? Yeah, so it, it has. Um it was a really difficult we were actually part of I wasn't like physically working on it. Our trademark lawyer was, um, but we were part of a Supreme Court decision um, to allow lewd and quote unfence- offensive. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not the right language, but basically lewd language um, to be trademarked because up until two or three years ago, you could not trademark it. So that was like we became without wanting, you know, without trying to be part of the adult industry um, in that lawsuit so there was there was porn there was adult um companies that were trying to trademark and then there was another company that was the main leader of the lawsuit was can't remember the name of the company but there was everybody's seen it it was the fuck it said fuck but it was f-c-u-k oh yeah 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 the their what a perfume like perfume brand i think they do all sorts of stuff don't they yeah yeah, so that was they were the main driver of the Supreme Court decision to be able to trademark it. So they were the reason that we could trademark it in the end. Um, and yeah, it's been great. I mean, it it for us it protects us from you know copycats in mm. in the United States because you know we we did go viral. People can were pretty visible, and you know we see people pop up, and it offers licensing opportunity as well. Um, well, that's why we went, went ahead and got eat my ass too, because ass eating became popular two years ago on every meme page. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, well, I guess I'm going to do, I guess I'm going to do buttholes and asses and chocolate <laughs> now. And so, <laughs> so um, I, I, I cannot believe that you own the trademark to that. That is, that is so wild. <laughs> ha, ha, yeah. Has that. Has that become, you know, like licensing opportunities? Has that been a major, a major way for you to have competitors, you know, to be able to just work with competitors instead of having to worry about them all the time? Yes, it, it allows us to. Some people are still dicks, you know, pun yeah. intended. Um, you know, some people, everybody's. I get it. You know, you don't want to pay for something that you think you made up, mm-hmm. and um, so I try not to be. A, 
a dickhead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I believe that even though even a very small niche that I like, like the one that I exist in is, is big enough for everybody. And mm. I'm, I'm very fortunate to work with people that do sell our, a lot of, a lot of them just end up selling our product. So mostly if you see a chocolate dick anywhere, it's from whatever website it's ours. Um, so it's pretty cool. Um, wow. It is a small world, but we've been able to cover it pretty well. Do you intend on do you intend on acquiring more kind of prank based businesses and like, you know, in, in the gift business, or is it something that you're kind of done with now and you're more interested in like in maybe just, you know, the gift card industry or, you know, is it are you are you gonna create a prank gift empire? Is my question, I think there. But because I like want to be successful and I'm competitive in nature, the my my immediate answer is like, yeah, oh, I totally want to. Uh-huh. The if I were to, you know, in in thinking of it, is it's like it's really hard. <laughs> it's mm. like really hard, and um, just from advertising and becoming and creating market space, because a lot of what we what I do is you know, it was a market that really wasn't there. So it's not, I'm interested, I'm kind of interested in seeing like, not, not pranks in general, obviously I didn't yeah. invent the prank. Um, but, you know, I'm interested and excited about, I'm not really giving you an answer cause I don't know, but I'm excited about trying something that's already an established area. Um, but I'd love to, you know, I'd love to figure out how to, become the main prank mm. gag gift you know and there's a ton of opportunity there we don't we we don't really sell on amazon and i know pranks like people buy prank related stuff over a million dollars a month on amazon just wow. on amazon so you know the the volume is there but it's it's a really it's a long process mm. um so yeah as much as i would say yes i'd love to don't know if i have the uh, uh maybe i do you know it's just a slog really so yeah, i imagine yeah what... TBD, TBD. so what's next what's next for you is it you know are you going to carry on with what you're doing carry on growing things growing both brands together like do you have do you have a roadmap for what you want to be doing next yeah yeah i mean we have our roadmap for both uh both pranks and dicky your door they're 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 they've come to a fork in the road and they're going two different ways, which is really mm. exciting. Um, so we were, I'm leaning pretty heavily into more chocolate and, and food, food based pranks and gag gifts. And, you know, we like, you're the shit and have it be like shit chocolates that are mm. like more, more like safe for work kind of thing and more like yeah. a family almost family friendly yeah um pranks is just like we want there, there's a really good opportunity to you know build more product that are in the prank space versus just hey send a dick to somebody in the mail um i i think those are the two roadmaps that are, that's why they diverge it's sticky mm. your door is less becoming is becoming less of a prank company and more of like a a funny product company and brand um, pranks anonymous is kind of your catch-all um, any types of pranks from you know the snake in the can that pops out to yeah. you know a funny card it, i kind of alluded to it i think at the beginning of our conversation like, i want to create systems that are replicatable there's 
e-commerce is so and DSC, I'm in love with it. And like, I want to spend the rest of my professional life, you know, trying and failing different things um, mm. and succeeding some places, hopefully. So that's what I'm really excited about. It may not be these products specifically, but the world of DTC and the opportunity that, that we have as like young entrepreneurs. I hope I consider myself young in my mid thirties. Um, yeah, you're still there. Create. You're still there. Don't worry. All right, all right, all right. Just <laughs> you did it. Create, create, and create, and create, and create. It's like the bar to entry is so low. Like you're, you're almost incentivized to start something and try something. Hmm. So that's what I'm excited about. We ask all of our all of our guests the same the same question, and with your history in both Instagram and you know and and, and Facebook and things like that, with your with your troubles, if you could only ever use one advertising platform for the next five years. What would that be and why? Mm, it's a difficult one. I Everyone's think, saying TikTok at the moment. Yeah. So so that's that's where my natural thought would be. One, I'm jaded by Facebook because of how like, yeah. even when we do have products that are easy to advertise and shouldn't have be a problem, we run into so many problems. Like They almost like disincentivize people, owners, their yeah, biggest I, revenue I, drivers. I totally it's, agree. It, anyway, it's a, yeah. whole different, it's a whole different conversation. So uh, definitely not Facebook. Um. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to go with the crowd or I, to go with the crowd. I think TikTok is such a big opportunity for my type of products because of their visual, um, because yes. they're reactionary yeah, yeah. and everyone's on there. Everyone's mm-hmm. on there. Like I, I remember my fiance started, she was on it a couple of years ago and she, she likes to call herself an early adopter about it. Like, <laughs> okay. whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Know. She was a fan um, before we were all a fan. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. Like TikTok's crazy, man. Um, I think there's so much op- opportunity in the organic of it and building a brand, just like what we did when Instagram first came out and we were just getting started, like an opportunity to grow mm. an organic following. That's like yeah. super powerful. Like your experience with meme pages, like just meme pages, just shit posting is like, you can create a following and then mm. drop a brand in there and sure you'll alienate mm, a lot of your followers, but you also have like nurtured an audience yeah. and there's so much so much valuable shit in that and excuse my language but um yeah I, I guess tiktok and i talk a lot sorry so i just go off on tangents no that's okay <laughs> well that's amazing so i mean that that kind of wraps everything up thanks adam Th- thanks for your chat it's been it's been uh it's been really interesting to look on an industry which i don't think many people thought existed i don't think many people thought that people were selling chocolate dicks but now that you do and i'm really excited to see what you do next i agree that the greeting cards industry especially is massive and i think there needs to be some change in there like here in the uk there are some dtc brands which are doing like greeting cards and stuff but they're also samey and they're also like karen-esque as i'd say they are and none of them are very you know, modern and cool. So I'm excited to see what you do. Thanks very much for your time. <laughs> yeah, thank you. This is this has been fun. A little really, really good to have some introspection every once in a while. So so thank you very much for having me. And that's it for the DTC Deep Dive this week. It's been a pleasure as always to have you. Do make sure that you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening or watching us on. Talking about watching, we have a YouTube channel where you can watch all the episodes. Just search the DTC Deep Dive. But until next week, have a fabulous week and I shall see you soon.